Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Counter Melody. This week I'm bringing you the fourth in my series of tributes to African-American singers. Originally there were going to be four sequential episodes in honor of Black History Month, but I have come across so many fascinating singers and I have been inspired. So I hereby make this promise to you that I'm going to continue to feature African-American singers on a periodic basis. Those who are much less renowned than they should be. People like Martha flowers. People like Lucretia West. People like Kenneth Spencer. People like Felicia Weathers. People like Margaret Tynes, who I intended to bring to you this past month, but somehow... Well, I'll tell you what happened. Muriel Smith took over. She insisted on getting a whole episode all to herself. But let's continue with today's episode. Today I'm going to bring you... A Tale of Two Baritones. Lawrence Winters and Robert McFerrin. As I mentioned last week, one of them stayed in the U.S. and one of them fled for different climes, shall we say. I've been really swamped with, unfortunately, money-making work this week, and I haven't been able to devote as much time as I would like to preparing this episode. The good news, my listeners, is that you will be the beneficiaries of my lack of preparation this week because you get to listen to these baritones, both possessors of voices of really incomparable beauty. You get to hear them sing rather than me talk, so I think we're all going to come out ahead in this equation. So let's start with each one of these gentlemen singing a spiritual for us, shall we? Here's Lawrence Winters. And I couldn't hear nobody pray. And I couldn't hear nobody pray. Oh, way down yonder by myself. And I couldn't hear nobody pray. In the valley, I couldn't hear nobody pray on my knees. I couldn't hear nobody pray with my burden. I couldn't hear nobody pray and my Savior. Couldn't hear nobody pray. Oh Lord, couldn't hear nobody pray. Couldn't hear nobody pray. Oh. 
Here's Robert McFerrin. Coming for to carry me home, oh, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, oh, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, oh, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home, I looked over Jen. And what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Oh, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Oh, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. If you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home, tell all my friends I'm a coming to, coming for to carry me home, oh, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home, oh, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me Coming for to carry me home, oh, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. That was Robert McFerrin, accompanied by Norman Johnson on the 1957 release Deep River and Other Spirituals. Since we just heard Robert McFerrin, let's start with him, the younger of the two singers. He was born in Mariana, Arkansas on March 19, 1921. Like so many other African-American singers, his early experience was singing in the church choir. Some of you may remember back to my interview with Janet Williams and her delightful recounting of the story of how she, she found her way to her religion through singing in the church. In the case of Robert McFerrin, his father was an IT preacher, and so I think it probably went the other way in his case. He was encouraged by his high school choir director, who introduced him to classical music. And we'll hear him later in the episode singing more spirituals, but here's an interesting quote from him. I believe that my singing of gospel music and hymns strengthened my voice and gave me the ability to sustain my singing and endure whatever role I was assigned to sing. The study of voice only served to secure musicianship and aid in the control of my voice. Eventually, he did find his way to the Chicago Musical College, where he obtained a scholarship. Then he was conscripted into military service in 1943. But he did eventually, after the war, complete his degree in 1946. Then three years later, he moved to New York. He had an acquaintanceship with the Congressman Adam Clayton Powell, and through him, he met 
none other than Hall Johnson, who was also such an important influence in the career of Charles Holland, who we just talked about a couple weeks ago. Hall Johnson became Robert McFerrin's vocal coach, and as I discovered recently in the reading of Shirley Verrett's autobiography, he also was enormously well-versed in German art song in particular. Also like Charles Holland, Robert McFerrin toured with the Hall Johnson Choir. Before that, however, in 1949, Robert McFerrin appeared in a small role in Kurt Weill's final Broadway production, Lost in the Stars, which also starred Todd Duncan. We're going to listen to the title song of Lost in the Stars, sung by Todd Duncan, and we'll hear the choir in the background at the end, and one can only assume that one of those members of the chorus is none other than Robert McFerrin. Let's give that a listen. Before Lord God made the sea and the land, he held all the stars in the palm of his hand, and they ran through his fingers like grains of sand. And one little star fell alone. Then the Lord God hunted through the wide night air for the little dark star on the wind down there. And he stayed in and promised he'd take special care so it wouldn't get lost again. Now a man don't mind if the stars grow dim and the clouds blow over and darken him. So long as the Lord God's watching over them, keeping track how it all goes on But I've been walking through the night and the day Till my eyes get weary and my head turns gray And sometimes it seems maybe God's gone away Forgetting his promise that we heard him say And we're lost out here in the stars Little stars, big stars Blowing through the night Start here in the stars, little stars, big stars, blowing through the night. And we'll lost, and we'll lost, and we'll lost, and we'll lost. Stop! Yeah. 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 
Todd Duncan, of course, created the role of Porgy in Gershwin's Porgy and Bess in 1935. His greatest claim to fame, of course, lies with his assumption of the role of Porgy, yet he accomplished so much more in his career as well, and was also, from very early on, a significant teacher, including a teacher to Lawrence Winters when he studied with him at Howard University. I mentioned Porgy because this role, of course, also figured significantly in the careers of both Lawrence Winters and Robert McFerrin. Lawrence Winters was born in South Carolina in November 1915, so therefore he is a little bit more than five years older than Robert McFerrin. The war also interrupted the progress of his career. Unlike Charles Holland, Robert McFerrin, and Shirley Verrett, he did not have an association with Hall Johnson, but rather with the important African-American choral conductor Eva Jesse, whose chorus for formed the ensemble of the original Broadway production of Porgy and Bess. He toured with her chorus, and following his military duties, he moved to New York in 1946, and shortly thereafter also performed on Broadway, in his case, in small roles in Harold Rome's musical review, Call Me Mister. We can hear him in the original cast recording. Or should I say the soundtrack? Instead of the cast recording, I'm going to play you a 1959 recording made in Hamburg of the Red Ball Express. This is one of three songs in which he is featured in the cast recording. There are songs of infantry, of the Air Corps and the sea, of the Coast Guard and Marines in battle dress. We sing August 44 and the Normandy French shore, just the story of the old Red Ball Express. Driving truckloads night and day, 36 hours on the way, they supplied our hungry armies from the shore. Steam was hissing from their hoods when they showed up with the goods, but they turned around went right back for more. It's the Red Ball Express roaring by, roaring by. It's the Red Ball Express roaring by. With one man at the wheel and one man at the gun and the pride in the job to be done. With the clashing of gears and the clanking of chains the song ringing clear to the sky. It's the Red Ball Express roaring by, roaring by. It's the Red Ball Express roaring by, roaring by. So we sing this ballad for the old quartermaster corps, just a small part of the team of victory. Though you may not know the name, there are plenty all the same. Never will forget that job in Normandy. To this very day, they say, when the night is dull and gray, Norman farmers hear a strange hullabaloo. And they peep outside and yell, French for shut my mouth, do tell. 
As a ghostly caravan comes bouncing through It's the Red Ball Express Roaring high, roaring high It's the Red Ball Express Roaring high With one man at the wheel And one man at the gun And a pride in the job To be done With the clashing of gears And the clanking of chains And the song ringing clear As you could no doubt ascertain, this was very much a post-war sort of piece. It had to do with returning military men and their desire to reintegrate themselves into civilian life. Another thing that you could probably hear from that arrangement is that it's very much in a sort of late 50s schlocky poppy mode and in fact Lawrence Winters made a lot of those kinds of recordings alongside his frankly much more distinguished recordings of Verdi in particular. If you grew up in the 60s, you will no doubt remember this theme song to a very popular TV series called Bonanza. This is Lawrence Winters singing the theme song in German. I've been unable to determine if he actually sang this for the version that was shown on German television or not. I hope he did, but I don't know for certain. Lawrence Winters was one of the first African-American artists to be featured at New York City Opera. While he was there, they sang a number of roles, including the premiere of William Grant Still's Troubled Island, which is about a Haitian 
uprising based on actual events. There are many interesting things about it, including the Langston Hughes libretto and the conflict between William Grant Still and Langston Hughes about the piece itself. It only lasted for three performances at City Opera and has never been heard since, although I just recently discovered that it's going to be revived for the first time since its premiere, and that will be in the UK at the Bloomsbury Theatre in September, I believe. So I'm not sure I'm going to take a trip specifically over there to see that piece, but it sounds very enticing. I'm going to offer you just a little bit from that piece because it's so interesting. This is a duet between Lawrence Winters and Marie Powers, a name that some of you might remember. She actually played Baba in Minotti's The Medium as well as the mother in Minotti's The Consul. She was a white woman, so it's interesting that um, the city opera was, in a sense, doing colorblind casting at that time. From what I was able to ascertain, Lawrence Winters only sang one performance of this opera. The other two featured the Metropolitan Opera baritone Robert Weedy in the same role. And again, Weedy was a white man, and I don't know if they actually used blackface. I would hope not, but of course this was 1949. One doesn't know what uh, would have been acceptable at that point. Here's a little bit of the duet in the first act between Dessalines and his wife Azilia, portrayed by Marie Powers. The performance is from the 1st of May 1949, the third of three performances, and is conducted by none other than Julius Rudel. Probably Lawrence Winter's greatest claim to fame, at least for American audiences, 
is that he sings Porgy in the more or less complete first recording of the opera from 1951, opposite none other than Camilla Williams. Speaking of Camilla Williams, Lawrence Winters and Camilla Williams appeared opposite each other at City Opera in Aida, she portraying the title role and he portraying her father, Amonazro. I'm going to play you just a little bit. I believe this is the first of Winters's Verdi recordings. It's a little underpowered on Camilla's part. She wasn't really an Aida by nature, but she manages to sing the role very beautifully. Winters is a little inspecific in his characterization, but you hear how powerful the voice is. This is from an MGM recording that was made with Lajlo Halash conducting the forces of the New York City Opera.
1949, Lawrence Winters went to Europe for the first time. And he sang in various places there, including a recital in Berlin. In 1950, he joined the roster of the Royal Swedish Opera and sang there for two seasons. Then, of course, eventually, he left the United States for Hamburg, where he made his debut in 1952 and sang there over the following five years. In 1957, he transferred to the Deutsche Oper Berlin, where he sang fest for a number of years. During this time, he made numerous recordings, and I'd like to offer a couple of his Verdi recordings. First of all, what's very interesting, and we touched on this last week with Gloria Davy, Deutsche Grammophon had a series of recordings that they would make of operatic excerpts in German. So we have, for instance, a Carmen with the Mexican mezzo-soprano Oralio Dominguez. There's a Tales of Hoffmann with Chandokonia in the title role and, among others, Matt Wilder Dobbs, the African-American coloratura soprano as Olympia. And we have a Trovatore, as I mentioned last week, with Gloria Davy as Leonora, and she also recorded a number of others, as we touched on, the Aida and the Santuzza in Cavalleria. Lawrence Winters is also featured in one of that series. He appears as Germont in a 1958 recording of excerpts from La Traviata opposite Maria Stader, who never actually sang an operatic role on stage, but is nevertheless featured in a number of recordings on Deutsche Grammophon from that period. Here she takes on the title role of Violetta and sings opposite the Swiss tenor Ernst Hefliger as Alfredo. In these recordings of excerpts, often they would take enormous cuts in the middle of a scene, but I would like you to hear a little bit of the duet with Maria Stader from Act 2. So we will do that, and then I will also offer to you his recording of Die Provence el Mar, which in German, in this translation, is called Hat dein Heimatliches Land. Das Herz ist warm, betöret, da wird kein Leben groß gewillt, im Herzen balsam sein, denn Gottes Siegen Herr und Nils hat niemals dem Verein.
subject of Verdi, I would like to offer you one last Lawrence Winter's Verdi recording, and that is of Eritu from Un Ballo in Maschera. I don't know the exact date of this recording, but it did also originate in Hamburg, so I'm guessing it was probably the late 50s. But you hear how fully equipped Lawrence Winters is to handle the most challenging Averdi roles, and I think he's really superb here. Often these roles would be translated in these recordings into German. In this case, he does sing in the original Italian.
also no slouch in Verdi. In fact, he made a very significant historical contribution in that he was the first African-American male to sing a role at the Metropolitan Opera. Let's just do a quick review of how he ended up on the stage of the Metropolitan Opera. He had sung in the early 50s with the National Negro Opera Company. His roles included non-race-specific roles, such as Oreste in Iphigenie en Tauride, Valentin in Faust, roles that, clearly, when one hears his voice, he was very qualified to take on. He very reluctantly took part in what is now the Metropolitan Opera competition. It used to be called the Metropolitan Opera Auditions of the Air and this was in the year 1953, he really didn't think that he was experienced enough to stand up against some of the others who would be auditioning at the same time, but he won, and he was put in the training program at the Metropolitan Opera. It was being predicted by newspapers that he would perhaps be the first African-American artist to sing at the Met because he was clearly being groomed for a debut there. As it was, his debut happened three weeks after Marian Anderson's, and he portrayed the role of Amunazro, Aida's father. Around this time, he also began singing in some European houses. He sang at the Teatro San Carlo in Naples, for instance. But he was seriously underused by the Met. One thing that they did use him for, and for which we can be enormously grateful, is that there used to be a series of recordings put out by the so-called Metropolitan Opera Record Club. They would feature excerpts 
from the great operas, and eventually they also recorded full versions of a few of the standard repertory operas. In the case of this Rigoletto, it's Fausto Cleva, who was a house conductor, conducting. The others in the cast include the Italian Daniele Barioni as the Duke, and the American soprano Laurel Hurley, who was a featured artist at the Met in that period. She sings Jilta. There's a wonderful compilation that the Met put out this past year called Black Voices Rising, and it features recordings of many important African-American artists from the time of Marian Anderson through to, I believe it's 1983. Everything else on that recording is live recordings from the stage of the Met. In the case of McFerrin, however, they used his studio recording of the Parisiamo Rigoletto's monologue from the beginning of either Act 1, Scene 2, or Act 2, depending on how you divide it up. But he sings Parisiamo on there, so you can certainly listen to it there. What I'm going to offer today, well, I'm going to offer two excerpts from that. First of all, I'm going to offer his performance of Cortigiani, Rigoletto, after Gilda has been abducted, shows up at the court the next day, and is dissembling that all is fine, while he looks in every corner to try and see where they might have concealed his daughter. Finally, he lashes out at them in a rage and concludes with contrition, penitence, and supplication, begging to have his daughter return to him. It's a wonderful performance. I think you'll really enjoy it. Per loro scondiere la mia figlia impagabile tesoro. Arrendete, o sei pur disarmata, questa lana per voi pur accrenta.
Then from the end of the opera, I'd like you to hear the duet with Gilda after she has been clubbed to near death by Sparafucile. I don't want to go into the whole story. I think you guys know the story. <laughs> we'll avoid the complicated and troublesome sexual politics of this piece at this moment and just revel in the beautiful singing of Robert McFerrin and Laurel Hurley in that final duet. Hear my dear queen so fate Yo tremo Eu mano corpo Mia figlia Dio Mia figlia Ano È impossibile Perderona in via, tu visione. E adesso, oh mia gira, fanciulla, a me rispondi, l'assassino mi svela. Nessuno, nessuno, mia figlia, mia gira. Oh, mia figlia, e la parla si muove e viva, oh Dio, mia penso in terra, mi guarda, mi conosci. Oh, padre mio, quale mistero c'è fu? Sei tu farita, dimmi. Lacciar, qui, qui mi piago. Ita, partita. 
mostrarti mia giusta vendetta Angel caro mi guarda ma ascolta parla parlami about Porgy and Bess a little bit. This is a work that is really fraught, I think, for African-American artists. Again, it provides wonderful performance opportunities, and I have a lot of colleagues, friends, and acquaintances who have been participating in the Met's recent new production there, and they've certainly been having a marvelous experience, and some of the singing, I think, in that has really been exemplary. But I think just as most Latinx performers and musicians, scholars, have a very complicated relationship with West Side Story. So I think do many African-American artists have serious issues with Porgy and Bess. We'll just leave it at that. But let's discuss how the role of Porgy played an important part in both of these gentlemen's careers. In 1958, Robert McFerrin was 
contracted to provide the ghost voice for Sidney Poitier in Otto Bremenger's 1958 film production of Porky and Bess. Dorothy Dandridge's voice is provided by none other than the exemplary African-American soprano Adele Addison, who went on to have a really important concert career. I'll just offer a personal note and say that Adele Addison was a big support to me in my early career, so I have a special place in my heart for her. I'm going to play a little bit of the I Loves You Porgy duet. He doesn't sound as good to me as he does in the Rigoletto, and she is not really the right voice type for Bess. She's very much a high coloratura, though clearly her artistry is on full display here. She was much more of a Bach Handel singer. She sang free with Leonard Bernstein. Uh, she's on a lot of Columbia recordings from the early 60s, and we are very lucky to have those. I should do a feature on Adele Addison in one of those upcoming episodes that I promised you. But for now, let's just listen to the two of them in this excerpt from the soundtrack, and in this case I am using the term correctly, the soundtrack of Porgy and Bess from 1958. I love you, Take me, don't let him handle me and drive me mad. If you can keep me, I want to stay with you forever. To be afraid no more. You speak of happiness and let your worries down. You're gonna live easy, you're gonna live high, you're gonna outshine every woman in this town. And remember, when crown come, that's my business. Winters, as we had discussed earlier, appeared opposite Camilla Williams in the 1951 Columbia recording of Porgy and Bess, which is nearly complete, nearly but not quite. Lawrence Winters not only appears on that recording, he continued to appear in recordings of excerpts from Porgy, often recorded for the German market. Because I love the duets so much, and because this gives me an opportunity to introduce a virtually unknown singer to you, I'm going to play 
a recording from approximately 1962 of Bess You Is My Woman Now with Lawrence Winters singing opposite Grace de la Cruz, who, if I'm not mistaken, is still alive and with us, but don't think she ever really had an enormous career, but you hear that she absolutely has the right amplitude for the role of Bess. She's not so specific with the words as one might like, but it's an excellent voice and they give a beautiful performance together.
Now I'm going to offer you, more or less without comment, a recording of Lawrence Winters performing Wer weiß, ob das alles so war. See if you recognize it, I think you will. <laughs> Wer weiß, ob das alles so war. Wer weiß, ob das alles so war. Was all die Geschichten der Bibel berichten, wer weiß, ob das alles so war. Der David war klein, oh so klein. Der David war klein, oh so klein. Und doch lag der Riesenmaus tot auf der Wiese. Dabei war der David so klein. Jonas zu Haus, im Walfisch war Jonas zu Haus. Er lag schon seit Tagen im Walfisch im Magen, doch machte das Weib nichts aus. Klein Moses, der schwamm auf dem Nil, Klein Moses, der schwamm auf dem Nil. Miss Pharao sagte, wenn jemand sie fragte, sie fand ihn tatsächlich im Nil. Wer weiß, ob das alles so war? Wer weiß, ob das alles so war? Ihr lernt schon als Kinder, der Teufel holt Sünde. Gesehen hat's noch keiner nicht wahr. Das Rogel, das spielen die Laster, die vielen, sie führen nicht zu weit. Ich kenn meine Bibel wie ein Schulkind die Fiebel, doch denk ich mir noch ein Fein. Methusalem wurde steinalt, Methusalem wurde steinalt. Man wird mit 900 von Frauen bloß bewundert. Wozu wird ein Mann dann so alt? Ich hoffe, mein Lied macht euch klar. Wer weiß, ob das alles, wer weiß, ob das alles, wer weiß, ob das alles. It makes me very sad to report to you that Lawrence Winters died in September 1965, less than two months before his 50th birthday. He evidently had cancer and is buried in Hamburg, where he died. I'm going to offer you one last song of him, and that is a spiritual song in German. Mein Gott, was für ein Morgen. Which is, of course, My Lord, what a morning. Mein Gott, was für ein Morgen. Mein Gott, was für ein Morgen. Wenn der Sternen 
What of Robert McFerrin? He devoted the remainder of his life to teaching, and of course, his son is the famous singer, musician, songwriter Bobby McFerrin, who certainly has paid wonderful tribute to his father and in 1990 included him on a recording of his. On YouTube, you can find some performances recorded very late in Robert McFerrin's life. They're very touching because evidently he had had a stroke and was not at all in good shape. And in spite of the fact that he found it difficult to speak, he still managed to sing. And that's quite an extraordinary thing. 
Robert McFerrin died in November 2006 of a heart attack at the age of 85. Though his recorded legacy is a sparse one, it includes one of the very greatest recordings of spirituals that I have ever heard in my life. I wish I could offer the whole thing to you right now. I had read a quote from him earlier about the importance of gospel music in his life and how it formed a very important part of his artistic persona. Hard as it is to choose just three, I'm going to offer you three songs from that Deep River album from 1957. The first is Fix Me, Fix Me Jesus, fix me.
The next one we will hear is his name so sweet. Oh Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I'm just from the fountain. Lord, I've just come from the fountain. His name so sweet. Oh Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I'm just from the fountain. Lord, I've just come from the fountain. His name so sweet. Oh sinner, do you love Jesus? Yes, yes, I do love my Jesus. Say, now do you love Jesus? His name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I'm just from the fountain, Lord. I've just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Glass leader, do you love Jesus? Yes, yes, I do love my Jesus. Leader, do you love Jesus? His name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I'm just from the fountain, Lord. I just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Zanella, do you love Jesus? Yes, yes, I do love my Jesus. Elder, do you love Jesus? His name's so sweet. Just come from the fountain. I'm just from the fountain, Lord. I just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I just come from the fountain. I'm just from the fountain. Lord, I just come from the fountain, his name so sweet. Now, because of time constraints, I'm going to choose one of the shorter of the slow spirituals. But it's so beautiful. Here's one. Talk about a child that do love Jesus. Yeah, is one. Yeah, is one. Talk about a child that do love Jesus. Yeah, Falling, but I heard the voice of my Lord calling. Talk about a child that do love Jesus. Yeah, child that's been converted yeah, is one. Yeah, is one. Talk about a child that's been converted yeah, Traveling up 
the path to glory. Talk about a child that's been converted. Yeah. And finally, ain't got time to die. Lord, I keep so busy praising my Jesus. Keep so busy praising my Jesus. Keep so busy praising my Jesus. Ain't got time to die. Cause when I'm healing the sick, I'm praising my Jesus. When I'm healing, when I'm healing the sick, ain't got time to die. Cause it takes all of my time to praise my Jesus. All of my time to praise my Lord. Rock's gonna cry out, glory and honor, glory and honor, ain't got time. Lord, I keep so busy working for the kingdom, keep so busy working for the kingdom, keep so busy working for the kingdom, ain't got time. Cause when I'm feeding the poor, I'm working for the kingdom, yes, I'm working. When I'm feeding the poor, Lord, I ain't got time. Cause it takes all of my time to praise my Jesus, all of my time to praise my Lord. If I don't praise him, the rock's gonna cry out, glory and honor, glory and honor, ain't got time to die. Lord, I keep so busy serving my master, keep so busy serving my master, keep so busy serving my master, ain't got time. Cause when I'm giving my all, I'm serving my master. When I'm giving my all, Lord, I ain't got time. Cause it takes all of my time to praise my Jesus, all of my time to praise my Lord. If I don't praise him, the rock's gonna cry out, glory and honor, glory and honor, ain't got time. Now won't you get out of my way, let me praise my Jesus, get out of my way. If I don't praise him, the rock's gonna cry out, glory and honor, glory and honor. I'd just like to say a few words in closing about this whole series that I've done. Every single one of the singers that I have presented to you was an artist of the highest rank. And yet, in the world today, they are virtually forgotten. In many cases, this was cause of great bitterness for these singers toward the end of their lives. It's difficult to retain a quote-unquote philosophical attitude when it feels as if the world has forgotten you. I don't want the world to forget these artists. I want us to remember them. I want us to celebrate them. I want us to glory in their magnificent voices. I hope that you, my listeners, have been as enriched as I have in encountering, either for the first time or anew, these very, very great singers. I can't tell you how profoundly moved I have been in listening to this music. I cannot listen to that Robert McFerrin Spirituals album without weeping profusely. Maybe that's just my way. I'm a real softy. I'm very affected by these things. I ask that you 
continue to pass on the word about my podcast. I'm reaching a very crucial juncture where I absolutely have to start making money off of this. I will be doing another fundraising campaign in April. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a rating. And don't forget to visit my show notes page at countermelodypodcast.com where you always find supplemental material that enhances your podcast listening experience. Next week I will be paying tribute to a very special singer who we recently lost. As always, thank you to Alan Segal. Thank you to Steve Robinson. Thank you to you, my listeners. And thank you to these great, great, great singers who have so enriched us. Until next time, my dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach.